Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right. Well, good afternoon, Dave. Good to see you again. Yeah, welcome back. Here we go again. All right. Well, you know, I don't, we could chit-chat for a while, but I was thinking, why don't we just get into it because we got some good stuff to cover today. Yeah, uh, let's do oh, it. What are we way, talking like about hat. today? Yeah. Uh, we are going to talk about some personal examples. So we've covered some mechanics of infinite banking, uh, the structure of the policies and how it all works, that flow of money, leveraging the capital. Um, we've talked the pros and cons in the last episode. Now, today I was thinking, why don't we cover uh, some personal examples of how have we actually utilized this in our own lives? Or maybe you have an example from a client um, that, that that's a really good one to share because I, I know we both have tons from our own experience and from the experience of our clients who've gotten involved in you know the private lending and syndications and that kind of stuff, uh, utilizing cash value loans. So um, how's that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. I think, um, you know, I think people, <clears throat> once they understand the concept, they kind of, you know, all right, now what, you know, what do I do with this, with this savings that I have, this contractual access to capital, you know, what, what do I do? And of course, the simple answer is whatever you want. Um, but here's some here's some practical application or some real world examples of how Dave and I have um, have leveraged this asset uh, to to our advantage. Yep, great. That sounds good. Well, I'll start. Um, so my journey with infinite banking started in 2010. So I, somebody, a good friend who I'd known for about uh, 10 or 12 years at that point, uh, brought it to me, told me to read Nelson's book. Um, he had started uh, a business around that a couple years prior. And so I read the book, had a lot of back and forth dialogue with him until it clicked. I'm a slow learner. Finally, the light bulb went off and it clicked and I started shoveling uh, as much capital as I could into some policies that I set up for, for everybody in my family. Uh, so from 2010 to 2016, I didn't really utilize it as anything other than a savings account, which if you do nothing else, then nothing other than just uh, creating a savings account in a different place inside a policy, as opposed to in your, in your, your checking your savings account at your bank. Um, it's, it's still phenomenal, right? But what I did in 2016, um, I decided that's when I decided I needed to get out of my corporate America job and, uh, get into real estate investing. So I fought, I bought my first house to flip in 2016. I think I've closed on that in May and I estimated from all my vast knowledge and experience in flipping houses uh, that it would take me two months, right? Two month project in and out will make, um, you know, 20 grand, which I'd be completely happy with on my first flip. Well, two months turned into nine months and ended up losing $11,000 uh, when all was said and done. But the education I got from that $11,000 investment, I, I'll consider that an investment in myself, um, was, was more than I could have ever paid for 
uh, from, from anybody to teach me anything. Uh, even though I, I did pay to be in a coaching group as well. So I was in a coaching group. Um, but I still made every mistake they told me I would make if I didn't follow their advice. I decided not to follow all of their advice and I made every mistake you could. Um, so how that happened, uh, we bought the house, found a contractor on Craigslist. It's always a great place to, <laughs> to find a contractor, right? Um, gave him uh, a pretty hefty down payment. Uh, mistake number two, uh, actually mistake number three and the mistake number one was buying the house at the price I did. Uh, you make your money when you buy. Uh, I bought it too high to actually make any money off of it in the first place. So it was doomed from the beginning. Um, but again, education process, uh, found the contractor after like two months of him doing almost nothing. And every week telling me it's going to look like a different house by the end of next week. And me continuing to believe him, I finally wised up and fired him. Uh, I had to threaten to sue him to get uh, my money back, the, the money he hadn't spent already. And then had to go search for a new contractor. So I say all that just to say that um, I was pretty dumb in, in, and green. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I, I had a better idea than, than what I did, but I jumped in anyway. Uh, you know, action trumps inaction. Uh, even if you lose money, you're going to learn something. So uh, the good news is I never lost money on another flip after that. Always made money. Um, but how, so how does this involve infinite banking? Well, by 2016, I had, I had over six figures of cash value saved up. And it was actually part of my, my plan. I, I decided, hey, before I quit my corporate job, which I was making very good money, you know, six figures with bonus and, and vacation and benefits. Before I quit this job, I need to have um, $125,000 in cash value. So I did that. You know, I, I kept working until I had 125 grand in cash value. And I said, okay, that's enough for me to fall back on for the next year, year and a half if I make no money whatsoever in the real estate investment business. So I did that, bought a house, was flipping that house while I was still working my W-2 job. Um, so I used a bank loan or a hard money lender to purchase the house. But for the rehab, which ended up costing about 50,000, was supposed to be about 20, turned into 50. Uh, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be 30, turned into 50, right? Another big mistake, underestimating the, the rehab cost. To fund that rehab, instead of going to a bank or a hard money lender for another loan, uh, I instead said, well, shoot, I have all this cash value saved up. I'm going to utilize that and actually put this into practice instead of using it as a savings account. Let's, let's use it and see what that actually looks like. So I did that, took that $50,000 loan out. And because I own the policies personally, I took a cat, a loan against my cash value. And then I took that money and I loaned it to my company, my LLC. And I charged my company 10% interest to borrow that money from me. So that covered the interest. I have to pay back the insurance company and it, it provided, you know, some interest income for me personally. Um, and it's a write-off for the company. So I loaned the money to the company. The company spent it on the rehab. And had I not used that, had I gone the route of a hard money lender or a bank, what are they going to require from, require from me every single month as terms for that loan? A loan repayment, right? Well, I wasn't making any money. I didn't have the money to repay a monthly note. Um, 
And the great thing about it is, guess, I borrowed this money from the insurance company. They weren't calling me during dinner saying, hey, where's our money? Where's the payment? You need to make a payment. They weren't knocking on my door. They weren't sending emails or, or letters in the mail. They didn't care because the repayment structure was completely up to me. So talk about taking pressure off. At least I didn't have to make that payment every month, right? While this project extended from two months to three to four to five to nine until I finally sold that house. So how did I repay that loan? I just waited until I sold the house. When I sold the house, I got all of that cash back, right? And, you know, minus the what $11,000 that I ended up losing. Um, but I just took the big chunk of money that I got back and I just repaid the loan with it in one fell swoop. So, you know, I didn't have to make a monthly payment. I wasn't stressed about making that payment because I knew I would get it back when I sold the house. Um, and when I paid it back, guess what? It was available for me to use immediately on the very next flip. You know, I could have bought a house the next day and started a, a, a rehab on that. I had that cash available because I, I paid it back, replenished my line of credit, uh, and then I could borrow against my cash value again um, very quickly to go go do the next project, which I did. You know, successfully use those loans to to fund multiple rehabs over the next couple of years. So that was really my first foray into actually utilizing and seeing the power and the benefits of what I had built up over that that first six years. Um, now, it certainly doesn't mean you have to wait six years to use that, right? I think you and I both have clients and you did this yourself is you pile a bunch of cash in there right away. And then immediately within, you know, I, for some clients I have immediately within the first month, they're accessing, they're leveraging their cash value for a loan to go purchase the next real estate deal or to, to, to fund an ongoing rehab or something like that. So um, you can let it build up or if you have plans to use that right away, then you kind of reverse engineer, say, I need this much cash value available. So let's figure out how much we need to put in in year one so I can start utilizing this as my financing source. So that's my story. I tell you, it's powerful, Dave, when you consider the con just the control you had um, and the power of not having to make a payment and the kind of the, the lack of stress. I mean, it's still a stressful situation anyway, just because, you know, things didn't go the way you had planned. Uh, although you did learn a lot. Obviously, we learn a lot from our, our, our mistakes that we make. Um, you know, we always we always hear like these these hard and fast rules. Like if you do this, you'll be all right. And then we ignore them. And I've I've, I've done the same thing. Yep. And it's super annoying when you look back. Um, however, yeah, having that contractual access to capital and folks, what he's talking about is like there's no there's no repayment schedule when you take a policy loan out. Should you replenish your capital? Yes, but it's on your own timeline. So like Dave just said, you know, sold, you know, got done rehabbing the place, sold the asset and then replenished, you know, replenished that uh, that policy loan. Um, so just that's that's the perfect use control, liquidity, use of the money, and no repayment schedule, just just phenomenal. So um, so that's one thing I talk about with my clients and, and especially new clients all the time because that's, that's a question that always comes up. They're, you know, they're surprised. They're like, you're saying I can take you know, a policy loan from the life insurance company using my cash value as collateral. Yes, you can. And then I don't have to pay it back on any kind of timeline, like amortized schedule. I, well, I said, no, you, you don't. 
So depending on what you're doing, right? Um, you know, I do some private lending, Dave, that that are balloon payments. Not too many, but onesies and twosies just for repeat customers. Um, if they ask for, you know, mm-hmm. just a lump sum with a with a you know a six or twelve month note, and at the end they make a balloon payment with the interest payment, I'll, I'll allow that. Um, but in the meantime, I'm generally flowing other cash flows against that policy loan anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but again, there's no pressure. Like I know the money's going to come back, and one way or another, and you know they're not beating me up for the company's not beating me up to make a policy loan repayment. Um, but make no mistake, folks, right. replenishing. Yeah. yeah, if I had talking about access to that capital, if I had not quit my 401k when I did, um, and or let's just say I was a traditional American out there and I had put all of my money instead of capitalizing my own banking system, I was just funneling my, my capital into a 401k into an IRA, some qualified plan. I would not have been able to take that loan most likely to go do that rehab. Right. So I would have been forced to go to a bank, go to a hard money lender and pay exorbitant interest and required monthly repayments on that loan to, to perform that rehab. Um, but my my capital was was accessible. It was liquid, and that's the only reason I was able to do that. Yeah, I see a lot of people on some of these Facebook groups that we're in talking about you know doing a TSP loan, and and yes, the the thrift savings plan allows you to do that. You know, you can take up to fifty percent of your account value or fifty thousand dollars, right? But no more than fifty thousand dollars in a loan. But now you have a five-year repayment schedule, and as low as those interest rates are on those loans, the amortized payment is humongous. So as far from a cash flow perspective, from a monthly cash flow perspective, it's a killer, regardless of the interest rates 0.75 or 1.6 or whatever they are today. They're pretty fairly low. Um, the, the amortized payment is going to take a large chunk of your cash cash flow to satisfy that loan, and you don't have a choice. It comes right out of your, you know, your LES, you can look at it every month and that money's going away. So, um, there's definitely a better way. And I, and I'm in the same boat, Dave, I quit my, my TSP contributions back in early 2020. Um, it was actually a, uh, a coworker of mine that was like, why are you, why are you, why do you keep dumping money in there? And you said the same thing to me. And I just, well, I've been doing it for so long. It's tough to, it's tough to you know, change that mindset as, <laughs> yeah. as much as I thought about infinite banking and knew about it and, you know, or at least thought I did understanding everything, what's going on in the financial world. But, you know, I've since quit those. I don't make any qualified plan contributions anymore. Um, and, you know, all those all those cash flows now that we're going into the thrift savings plan or IRAs are now going into life insurance premium across six, you know, six different policies. And to be now. clear, we're not advising yeah, we're not advising people on what to or what not to do with their qualified plan contributions, distributions, whatever. Uh, that's not our role. We're simply stating what we've done and and relaying stories of what our clients have done. Um, you know, if if you want to continue to con- contribute to those plans, great. You can still do that, uh, but you'll be better off if you do this in addition to that. No, absolutely. It gets back to that. This is a this is an and asset, not just a, a this or that. It's it's both. It's a both strategy. And again, like Dave said, do do what you want. Uh, we're just telling you what we've done. 
Um, so this might be a good time to talk about maybe a client story. Um, and I'd, I'd like to have her as a guest maybe at some point. Uh, we'll, we'll start to have some guests on eventually. But there's so many stories of of clients that have they do have money in qualified plans and there's you know these are happen to be civilian clients um and their employers did not allow them to access their money regardless of what was going on with the cares act regardless of what's going on um you know while they were still employed they weren't able to access access their money which is which is troubling right it's your it's literally your money uh, that you're trying to do the right thing and save for you know the passive income time or retirement, as most people call it. We'll, we'll call it passive income time. Um, but I do have a client um, who I reconnected with from childhood. I've known known her since I was probably nine or ten up in Massachusetts. And one day I just happened to be sitting on the bed, scrolling through Facebook, you know, not being productive at all. And I saw a Facebook post of hers saying. Hey, we're thinking about getting a financial advisor. Does anyone have any experience in this? Uh, what you know? What advice or who's your guy or whatever? So I, um, I think I sent her a private message on Facebook and said, "Hey, why don't you know? Why don't we? Uh, why don't we connect? And um, I've got some experience in this. I'm in the space." Um, so she did. We talked for. We probably talked for an hour, and I told her about Nelson Nash, infinite banking, dividend paying whole life insurance, you know, prioritizing your own capital accumulation, using IBC as a debt repayment, you know, incorporating IBC as a debt repayment strategy. Um, So leap of faith she took, pretty big. She did everything I told her to do or I asked her to do. I said, you need to read this book. You need to read this book. I need all your financials. Etc. 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 And within within a week, she had read "Becoming Your Own Banker." She had read the case for IBC. She had packaged all of their financials and f- overnighted them to me. I had never had a client do this wow. like in that short order. It was right. really amazing, you know. And you can tell that this person wanted to be free of. And I'll, I'll go into kind of her story a little bit of what was going on in their lives. You know, both her and her husband had gone through some. Some troubles in their previous relationships. Uh, they you know, they had both had children. Now, both had good incomes, but were servicing, were servicing, you know, ten different credit cards, uh, servicing some debts. Um, you know, the average, you know, the the credit card interest rates were anywhere from eighteen to twenty six percent. So I think they were averaging Ouch. around twenty to. Oh, it was terrible, and they were making like extra payments on some of them, some of them, and. So what I did was, <clears throat> after finding out everything financially, they, they did have some money and some qualified plans that their employer would allow them to get at, luckily. And I said, hey, did you know because of the CARES Act, you know, with you know, hardships and stuff that you guys have, have definitely faced, that you can, you can access this money penalty-free? So what we did was I structured a policy where they could take that money take it out of that penalty free and they 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 literally closed the account they took all of it out they were able to do a what we do a single lump sum premium and then they had we did some budgeting and some stuff i was like you don't need a 600 dollars a month you know personal trainer and all this other stuff it was it was crazy <laughs> um we went into their you know their their insurance premiums as far as car insurance i was like you can adjust some things here and there's some cash savings there 
Um, so we structured a policy where she can get as much cash into it as possible, solved her need for death benefit because they do have several several children. Uh, they're both you know both breadwinners. And she then took, once the policy funded, she then took a policy loan or a series of policy loans and started doing kind of like the Dave Ram- I hate to say this, but the Dave Ramsey debt snowball method and knocking out those <laughs> debts, the bad debts, one at a time mm-hmm. and or several at a time. Within six months, the credit card debt was gone. The... They were able to, they had some pretty high interest rate um, car auto loans just because their credit was bad because of all the debt. Um, so their credit scores jumped from like the high 500s, low 600s into the mid 700s, low 700s. They were able to restructure their their two vehicle uh, loans from, you know, I think they, one of them was 12%. So they were they were really com- looked at as like kind of some pr- subprime borrowers at the time. And they were able to refinance into normal, you know, 2.9%, 3.9% auto loans, which increased their monthly cash flow even more. So we were able mm-hmm. to free up a few thousand dollars of cash flow just by restructuring the debt. And what is she, you know, they have now since able to get a HELOC on their home, which they used to rehab. They're paying back their policy loans. They're making their premium payment every month. And at the end of this, another about six months, they'll have the HELOC paid off and they'll have their policy loan paid off with that ever increasing contractual cash value. So she, she's she been a great referral source for me. She's like so thankful. And it's, it's one of those satisfying cases where I was able to literally change the financial trajectory of their lives. And, you know, kudos to them. They, they took a leap of faith. And me, you know, some some goofy kid that she knew when I was, you know, nine or ten years old, um, you know, and we haven't, you know, we haven't seen each other in, you know, twenty something years because I moved, you know, I moved away out of that town and joined the military and stuff, so I haven't seen physically seen them in, in so long. Mm-hmm. But it was a great leap of faith and just a great story, and um, and, and it's totally changed their lives, and I, I couldn't be happier for them, and um, and what you know what's coming for them next. You know, they, they're looking at a vacation home in Maine to buy now. And it's just, it's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Cause you know, they were, they were, they had a problem. They were looking for a solution uh, and, and good for them reaching out to the, to the Facebook world and their network saying, does anybody know anybody who could help us? Uh, I think that's the first step is is being brave enough to ask that question or or even pose that question to yourself. Hey, is there a better way to go about doing what I'm already doing? And in their case, yeah, there are many different ways. I mean, you you set up policies for them, but it didn't stop there. It was kind of more of a holistic approach to eliminating debt and setting them on a trajectory that's going to you know, set them up for success uh, in the near future and then for generations to to, to come. Right. So it sounds like a really ideal client, somebody who, and especially the part you said about them digging into those books so quickly, um, reading, researching, taking, taking the responsibility upon themselves and not just being spoon fed. Um, because if, if people want to be spoon fed, there's, there's thousands of people that will go take your money for you and, uh, and invest it. And you can abdicate control of your finances to anybody. Um, you can, you know, probably throw a stone from your house and hit five CFPs who will be more than happy to, to take your money, put it in the market and then blame the market if you lose it. So, um, 
yeah, just you know, being brave enough to ask that question and reach out and, and explore something that was completely unknown to her at the time, I'm sure, right? Absolutely. You know, she's a nurse. Um, she actually went to the same nursing school that my mom did outside of Boston. Um, what I've been finding with several nurse clients, nurses seem to pick up this stuff pretty easily for some reason. I don't know why. You know, they're bright people. Um, but I had never seen anyone... I had never seen anyone want out of a situation so bad that they literally did everything I asked in short order. Mm. Uh, It was, it was amazing. It was like a breath of fresh air. Cause that, you know, I mean, you're in this business. That's, that's rare for someone to, to kind of, yep. I read the book. I read this book and I'm ready to chat about it. Like phenomenal. Yeah, but it's what we expect. I mean, if we're going to work with somebody, we're not gonna we're not going to explain that book to them start to finish. We are going to give people an idea of what this is about, and then give them homework. Uh, this is becoming your own banker, not finding somebody else to be my banker. Right, right. It's it's all about personal responsibility, taking control, and putting yourself in the driver's seat of your own financial. Uh, your own, your own financial future and, and the vector that you want to, you want to head. So, uh, that's what we're looking for. People who, who want to help themselves and, and are willing to do so. Yeah. I, you know, I appreciated most of all that she valued my time, um, and didn't want to waste my time. So I, I, I appreciated that, you know, just from a personal note, um, cause our time is, is precious, right? Um, for sure. But yeah, great client great story uh like definitely like to have her on at some point just to talk about it and if she if she she definitely she's already agreed to it i think so um just a just a great story good good yeah and we've got many more of those so i think we'll we'll sprinkle those throughout these episodes uh case study after case study uh a different maybe the next one we'll talk about the the guy that we're in business with right now who started a dump truck company um who wouldn't who would have thought that a, a dump truck company is something somebody actually wanted to start and enjoy and crushing it. But they had to come, he had to come to us because, uh, even with, you know, making 400 grand a year or something like that, the, the bank didn't want to give him a, a loan to buy a truck. Um, yeah, Dave, he went to, uh, on that, he went to like six different banks and, you know, this wow. is a guy with, you know, good credit, no, literally no debt except a mortgage. Um, like the ideal person to loan money to. He doesn't necessarily need the money, but a guy that's got a lot of money tied up in a 401k that he cannot get yep. at. Cannot get at. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, and the bank, banks aren't making the loan necessarily against uh, your business plan or your business idea or the asset that you're going to go purchase. They're making a loan based on their confidence that you can repay that loan every month. So if if they think that that's too much risk for them, they're going to, you know, it's easy for them to say no because they got, they do not have a lack of opportunities coming their way, right? I think we can all agree that banks have more opportunities than they need. Um, and that's kind of the position that we're in now where we got plenty of opportunities anytime I have uh, a chunk of cash that I I'm ready to take a loan against. Uh, I just reach out to you, Paul. Hey, Paul, <laughs> what do you got on the line right now? What do you need? You know, you got anybody who who's looking for a loan 
and, and we set it up and we go. So yeah, the, the possibilities are endless and it's just a really fun um, position to be in. You know? So yeah, great. Good stories, man. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's amazing when you start, when you just start thinking like a bank, um, as opposed to a borrower, when you start thinking like a bank and replicating at your own level, the you and me level, as Nash said, um, what banks do, like you said, that the possibilities are endless and the opportunities are literally endless, whether it's opportunities you create yourself you know, you see that duplex or that fourplex down the street or whatever, or it's a, or it's a private loan or it's a syndication or it's a joint venture, whatever, or it's a, you know, it's a new Ram truck, um, whatever it is. Uh, and when you start thinking like that bank, it's, uh, it's, it's life changing. So yep, I think that's, uh, sure is. Yeah. Yep. You think good way to wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. We got plenty more we can talk about, but we'll save that for the next episodes. So right on. All right, man. Hey, good conversation. Good to see you. And uh look forward to talking again. Can you tell I moved the uh I moved the bookcase? Yeah, look at that. Is that a is that a virtual background or do you actually read all those books? <laughs> uh, Tammy's read like one or two of them, I think, but the rest are yeah, the rest are mine. Yeah. Yeah, I think you and I have a, a lot of the same uh reading list. Yeah, uh, there's, some von, there's some von Clauschwitz on there, and there's some, uh, you know, obviously a lot of financial books up, I, up near the picture of Carmela when she was a baby. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, not, yep. definitely no, not a no virtual background. Information. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. You're, you're, you're a smart gay. You know, forget what everybody else says, Paul. I know. Well, I just try to hang out with smart people. <laughs> yeah, you, you and I both. Cool. All right, All right my man. friend. Well, hey, good talking to you. We'll, right, uh, we'll talk to you again next time. All right, buddy. All right, see you. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.